This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to visit with Dr. Anuj Vora. Dr. Vora is brilliant emergency department physician and leader. He helps to lead up the emergency department services at Hartford Healthcare, one of the great growth systems in the country. Uh, Hartford Healthcare has done an amazing job under the leadership of, uh, of Elliot Joseph and then Jeff Flax in, in growing into one of the great regional health systems in the country. Dr. Vora and I are going to visit today about what is going on with the emergency departments in the country. Uh, Dr. Vora, uh, I'll set the stage over here for one second, then I'll, I'll, let me ask you first. Dr. Vora, could you take a moment to introduce yourself, and then I'll set the stage with you for the first question. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Anuj Vora. I'm an ER physician and medical director of emergency services for the Northwest region of Hartford Healthcare and serve as a medical director of two of our ER facilities. I also teach at the local medical schools. Thanks for having me, Scott. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to get a chance to visit with you. So, Dr. Moore, as I've seen what's happened in our, in, our, in our nation, there are multiple different conflicts. We've got better coverage than ever than we've ever had before. 92% of Americans are covered. We're down to 7 to 8 9% that are not covered. That's good. The flip side is access is getting more challenging. We've got an aging, growing population, 330 million plus people, and, and we only graduate out of medical school, school and residency, 17, 18,000 doctors a year. The, the numbers are just really in contrast with each other and not going in the right direction. This has led, and from all I could tell, like my elderly parents, whenever they have a bad problem, hardest time ever doing a good telehealth visit, they don't get treated, they don't get clarity, they end up having to go to the ER. And, and my impression is ERs, again, have become uh, what they were 10, 20 years ago, the advanced primary care office again. Sort of how did this happen and how do we change that? And if ERs become the safety net of our entire system, give us some of your thoughts on that, Dr. Warren. I know I've thrown a lot at you. What are you seeing out there with ERs and how do we manage this well and so forth? That's a great question, Scott. You know, earlier today I was on an EM system-wide call with all the medical directors in our system, and we were talking about overcrowding. It's a huge challenge right now because, as you mentioned, we're, we're seeing a lot of people that are coming in because they can't get into their doctor's offices. You know, they've got acute complaints that need to be seen in a day or two, and they're being told they can't be seen for another month or two. Um, so they're coming into our ED. Now, compound that with the respiratory illnesses we're seeing from RSV to flu to COVID, and then add on that most hospital inpatient units are full it's a recipe for distress for emergency medicine practitioners and any personnel in the emergency department because it's a triple threat. It's high volumes, higher than we've ever seen in the last decade. It's more inpatient holding, which means patients are in the ED for longer periods of time than they should be. And it's a recipe for uh, concern. So we are doing the best we can with the resources we can. And resource allocation is also a challenge because we have to recognize that our nursing shortage is also leading us to have empty beds upstairs in hospitals that aren't staffed. So most hospitals will say, well, we're, we're full, we, we can't handle any more patients from the ED, when the fact is, many of them have open floors, they just don't have the personnel to staff them. So, you know, it, it's, it's just a challenging multi-level problem we're dealing with right now. I mean, it really is. And, and you, you mentioned that, and you've, you've nailed it exactly as we sort of see it. Hospitals can't discharge their patients to nursing homes because nursing homes have no beds. Hospitals can't staff themselves. They have empty sort of floors sometimes. I mean, it's like United going out to buy 100 planes. 
in the market saying, well, how are you going to staff those 100 planes? And so not reacting mm-hmm. positively, but saying, like, you can't even staff your planes as they are, and sort of health systems being in the same spot. And then ERs, like, what I could tell you is the care that we get from our local ER is magnificent, and thus we end up going back there. It seems to be as if any place in the hospital is well-staffed, as well-staffed as it can be, it seems to be that. And they do all the tests, they do all the diagnostics, they, they, they solve my parents' problems in a hurry that we felt were unsolvable, but it really is. And then talk about also the pandemic of mental health issues. I, I do hear that that's also something that's filling up ERs is people with behavioral health and mental health issues that we're also just, in a lot of it is exactly the same. We're so understaffed in other places that this becomes the repository of everything. Talk about that. Is mental health causing Are you guys talk about that as well? Absolutely. Mental health is a huge challenge for any emergency department. You know, we're fortunate fortunate enough to have a psychiatric ER, which is still completely full almost all the time and spills into the main ED. And if you happen to be a patient with mental health challenges and you're in an ED without a psych ER, you could be sitting there for 72 hours before you get seen by a psychiatrist uh, or a trained psychiatric personnel. Um, It's a huge burden for uh, systems to manage behavioral health, and the volumes have only gone up at least 10% since COVID, with an expectation of it going up another 25% in the next decade. So we're already overwhelmed with the lack of resources we have to support mental health, and it's only going to become more and more challenging. You know, I think some of the solutions lie in telemedicine um, and kind of thinking outside your four walls of your hospital or facility, but it's a burden that's not going away, and it's only going to become more challenging. And you talk about like telemedicine. That's certainly, of course, going to absolutely have to be one part of the answer. Imperfect, but for sure one part of the answer. Just a yeah. But are there are there? I mean, as you have this growing population. I mean, at the end of the day, China and India, which have the two largest populations in the world, have had to move heavily towards preventive health. I mean, it's partly why China had a COVID zero policy. India, when you know, when push came to shove with COVID, ended up in a horrible situation. And that's no, that's not. There's no, no blame there in India or China. Quite frankly, they just have these massive populations and not a big enough healthcare infrastructure to take care of it. Are we headed in the same direction in the long run, where we we just don't have the resources to take care of the amount of people that we have, or, or is there a way to sort of to solve the problem still? I mean, it seems like it could be solved relatively well if we get aligned with Washington and everything else. But it seems like aligning D.C. is, you know, is the, like the seventh level of the hell. It's almost an impossible thing to do. But as well, no, we need more residency spots. We, know we need more nurses, staffing. What are some of your thoughts on this? How do, we, how do we solve some of this? I think the biggest bottleneck in staffing is the nursing shortage. And I think every organization has thought outside the box and has gotten involved in nurse training programs or started nursing residencies or connected with nursing schools, or gone even deeper into infiltrating colleges, even high schools. Um, I know we've gotten involved in even even high school education to try and get people to join our team uh, once they graduate because there's such a tremendous need, uh, offering free education, things like that, to think outside the box to uh, recruit people back into healthcare because there's been such a tremendous exodus from the uh, healthcare network throughout the country and, um, you know, prices and money are not fixing it. It's not about money anymore. You know, in my organization, we recently had to go undergo new contracts and physicians lost vacation time. So we gave them retention bonuses and we found that money didn't matter. 
people wanted their time. People wanted to be away from healthcare. 100%. And, and that's what you have. You have 5 million nurses in the country, of which 800,000 or so left the profession during the, during the pandemic. But, but even if you have nurses, you have more and more that are saying, you know, you, you have some nurses, one nurse looking for a job, and she said to me, I'll work any place but an inpatient facility. And, and that is daunting. When, when you hear that, that's daunting. She basically say like, oh, my goodness, people have so many remote work options that yeah. if no matter how many people we stack into the nursing schools – People won't stay in the job, that job. We have to figure out how do you do that job differently? How do you take care of patients? How do you do it? Or how do you, as you said, leverage or triage people so you have teams of people doing things in different ways of doing it? But what a challenge, right? It is. It is. And, and then just to that effect, you have to make sure you've got the right person doing the right job because, you know, there are a lot of things that we can do to support our nurses, you know, hiring phlebotomists, having more techs in the department, EKG techs. People with specific roles that take some of that burden off the nurses, because as you mentioned, it's they're such a tough commodity to find. We really want to do our best to support them so they stay in the field and we can recruit others to come into the field. 100%. When you look at 2023, Dr. Vora, looking forward, I mean, ask you a couple different questions. First of all, what are you most focused on and excited about going forward into this next year? Where are you most focused and excited? Um, I'm excited about the growth we're going to be seeing within the organization. You know, Hartford Healthcare has become a really big player throughout the state and uh, just partnered with Google, um, Optum, and other organizations. So I'm really excited about the growth that's going on on a very large-scale level with the organization. Uh, down to my level in the hospital and within the uh, facility, I'm excited about, you know, building uh, our team, uh, continuing to recruit and grow. Uh, and expand for our patient population, you know, although volumes are at an all-time high, you know, I find that uh, exciting because it only goes to show that we have stability and we should be able to increase our resources so we can better care for patients. So all in all, my most exciting uh, vision is to enhance the care delivery model that we offer our patients. No, thank you. And, and, and so Hartford Healthcare seems to have done this and has done this tremendous job of growing into the needed health system in your state. I mean, you've got competition, but you've done this amazing job. Any thoughts on ideas that are transferable, uh, you know, or, or leadership ideas that are transferable, Dr. Vora? You know, in terms of leadership ideas, I think the their view is do what's best for the patient. And that transcends to home services, Getting keeping people out of the hospital. You know, you mentioned preventative care earlier. You know, there are so many things that we can do to keep people out of the ER and to unclutter hospitals and facilities. You know, we really just need to push to enhance the resources. You mentioned that almost the entire country, most of the country is covered, but the access is limited. So, you know, it's continuously growing, creating more opportunities for access to healthcare, um, telemedicine, you know, it doesn't have to be a physical structure but continuing to push the envelope and getting out there so that we can touch the lives of more patients and prevent them from getting ill and having to use our emergency department. Thank you. Another question, Dr. Vora. You've made this magnificent transition to straddling practicing medicine and leading. Any thoughts or advice for others that are looking? Well, two questions that come out of this. First, has that left you a lot less burnt out, the fact that you've been able to split your career between practicing and leadership? And second, any advice for others that want to get involved in healthcare leadership? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love being able to be in a dual role of practicing clinically and being in leadership. Um, I would definitely advocate for anyone that was interested to pursue it. Uh, and there are a lot of ways to do that. If you're an ER physician, for example, you can get involved with the ASEP Emergency Directors Academy. Or if you're looking to get involved with the AAPL, the American Association for Physician Leadership, they have a great call, course called the Certified Physician Executive Program. I completed that. I'm doing my MBA right now, which I'll be finishing next year. And just getting involved in your local facility and committees and getting your name out there, getting involved and finding mentors. I think that finding the right mentors, and honestly, Scott, I have found the best mentors at your conferences. Um, the amount of networking and connections I've been able to make at the, the uh, Becker's conferences has been a, a huge game changer for me. It brings me back every year because it's just such a high caliber of leaders there that I've learned from that I'm still in touch with today. Um, so that's that's been tremendous. No, thank you. And the whole goal is that people are going to share thoughts together. I mean, sometimes you come away from conferences, and it's less about what you learned, and it's more about the inspiration or the motivation or the refreshing the tank and going back to think about what you're doing and so forth. So thank you for the nice comment. I, I love the fact, going back to do your MBA, I think nothing impresses me more than those people that are, that are lifelong learners. And, and any thoughts on that and the importance of that to leadership and to staying fresh? Absolutely. I think you have to continue to evolve, to change your mindset, and to be as quickly paced as healthcare is. Uh, my MBA, I'm doing it over a five-year period because I will work full-time. I also teach. I have four children at home. So my, my work-life balance allows me to do my MBA slowly, but I started in 2020 and I'll be done actually in three and a half years next year. Um, and it's been a fantastic journey because I'm learning about so many things that I never would have learned about in med school. Um, and in my personal pursuit of inspiration, um, it's actually what brought me to a Becker's conference a few years ago. And I found the inspiration there. You know, I learned about what's happening beyond my walls because although I work for a large organization, Sometimes you feel like you're practicing in silos and you don't know what's happening in the big mothership. Um, and actually attending your conference, I learned more about my organization and reconnected with leaders that I may never have uh, met with. And I also met with other leaders in other hospitals to learn about innovative ideas and practices that could affect my own hospitals. So I think just getting yourself out of your four walls, getting involved with ongoing education and finding opportunities for networking such as your conferences has been tremendous for me. Thank you very much. What a pleasure to visit with you. I love your career. It's great to visit with you. And I love your perspective on what's going on in the emergency department. This, this discussion of what's happening in the emergency departments, I think, is going to become more and more front and center as I see more and more people anecdotally. And I hear it also from people like yourself that run ER departments and, and regional systems with ER departments is more and more it's become where people are going back to in a way that we haven't seen in 10, 15 years. So looking forward to hearing more about this, hopefully finding solutions. Dr. Vora, thank you so much for joining us again on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Remarkable. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure, Scott. Thanks for having me.